Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Alexander, Chapter 3. Jody was up at dawn making biscuits and dough for the canopy. She'd only just taken up breakfast when Alexander uh, came into the kitchen wearing jeans and boots and a long-sleeved chambray shirt. He looked freshly showered and clean-shaven, his dark hair still named. I've got breakfast, Jody offered without looking too closely at him. He was overpowered in tight jeans and a shirt unbuttoned to his collarbone. Where's thick curling black hair peeked out? She had to fight not to throw herself at him. Coffee, he murmured. In the pot. He poured himself a cup, watching the deft motions of her hands as she buttered biscuits and scooped eggs onto a platter already brimming over with bacon and sausage. Aren't you eating? He asked as he seated himself at the table. Have a time, she said, arranging a layer of canopies on a baking sheet. Most of your guests are coming in time for lunch, so these have to be done now, before I get too busy. His sensuous lips made in light. I can't stand him, but Derek is right about one thing. You do let Margie use you. You and Margie were there when I need. I had nobody else, she said without seeing the flinch of his eyelids. I consider... I consider that she's entitled to anything I can do for her. <laughs> You sell yourself short. I appreciate it when people do things for me without being asked. She replied. She put the canapes in the oven and set the timer, pushing back sweaty hair that escaped from her bun. His eyes went over her figure in baggy pants and an oversized t-shirt. You dress like a bag lady, he muttered. She glanced at him, surprised. I dress very nicely at work. Like a dog wagger bag lady, he cried. You wear the same sort of clothes you're... You favored when you were overweight. You're not anymore. Why don't you wear things that fit? <laughs> it's surprising that he noticed her enough to even know what she was wearing. Margie's the fashion model, not me, she reminded him. Besides, I'm not the type for trendy stuff. I'm just ordinary. He frowned. She had a really she had a real ego problem. He and Marley hadn't done much for it either. Him and Margie hadn't done much for it either. She accepted anything that was thrown at her as if she deserved it. He was surprised how much it bothered him to see her so undervalued even by herself. Not that he was interested in her. Yeah, added silently, she wasn't his type at all. Carrie's coming this morning, he yeah. I have to pick her up at the airport at noon. Jody only smiled. Margie's hoping she'll help her with the market for her designs. I think you'll try, he said conversationally. Eat breakfast, he said. You can't go all day without food. I don't have time, she repeated, staring, starting on another batch of candies. Unless you want to sacrifice yourself on a bowl of dough, she offered, extending the bowl with a mischievous smile. His green eyes twinkled affectionately in spite of himself. No thanks. I didn't think so. He watched her work while he ate, nebriously thoughts racing through his mind. Jody was so much a part of his life that he needed. He never felt discomfort when they were together. He had a hard time with strangers. He appeared to be stoic and aloof, but in fact he was an introvert who didn't quite know how to mix with people who weren't in law enforcement, like Jody herself. He considered she was almost painfully shy around people she didn't know, and tonight she was going to be thrown in head first with a crowd she probably wouldn't even like. Carrie's friends were social climbers, high society. Alexander himself wasn't comfortable with them, and Jody certainly wouldn't be. They were into expensive cars, European vacations, diamonds, investments, and they traveled in circles that included some of the most famous people alive, from movie stars to Formula One race car drivers to financial geniuses, playwrights, and authors. They classified their friends by wealth and status, not by character, and their role, right and wrong, didn't even exist. You're not going to like this crowd, he said aloud. 
She glanced at him. I'll be in the kitchen most of the time, she said easily, or help and serve. He looked out. You're a guest, not the kitchen help. Don't be absurd, she murmured absently. I haven't even got the right clothes to wear to carry a sort of party. I'd be in a bear spent. He set his coffee cup down with me to force. Then why the hell did you come in the first place? He asked. Margie asked me to, she said simply. He got up and went out with another word. Jody was going to regret this evening. He was sorry Margie had insisted that she came. The party was in full swing. Alexander had picked up Carrie at the airport and lunched her suitcases up to the second guest room down the hall from Jody's. Carrie, blonde and suave, and from a wealthy background was like the Cobbs, old money and family ties. She looked at Jody without seeing her and talked only to Marjorie and Alexander during lunch. Fortunately, there were plenty of other people there who didn't mind talking to Jody, especially an elderly couple, apparently rolling in wealth to judge by the diamonds. The matron was decked out in. After lunch, Carrie and Alexander drive her into town, and Jody silently excused herself. And escaped to the kitchen. She had a nice little black dress off the rack at a local department store in high heels to match, which she wore to the party, but it was hidden under the big apron she wore most of the evening, heating and arranging canopies and washing dishes and crystal glasses in between uses. It was almost 10 o'clock before she was able to join Margie and her friends, but by then Margie was hanging on to Carrie like a bat, with Alexander nearby, and Jody couldn't get near her. She stood in a corner by herself, wishing that Derek hadn't run from this weekend, so that she at least have someone to talk to, but that wasn't happening. She started talking to the elderly matron who'd sat beside at lunch, but another couple joined them in motions. Mentioned their week in Paris and a mutual friend, and Jody was out of her depths. She moved to another circle, but they were discussing and new ways and investments, and she knew nothing to contribute to that discussion either. Alexander noticed, seething that she was all well was alone most of the evening. He started to get up, but Carrie moved closer and clung to his sleeve while Margie talked about her latest collection and offered to show it to Carrie in the morning. Carrie was very possessive. They weren't involved as he'd been with other women. Perhaps that was why she was reluctant to let him move away. She hated the very thought of any other woman looking at him. That possessiveness was wearing thin. She was beautiful and she carried herself well, but she had an attitude he didn't like. She was positively rude for any to any of his colleagues that spoke to him when they were together. Not that she had any idea what Alexander actually did for a living. He was independently welting people in his and Margie's circles of friends assumed that the ranch was his full-time operation. Taught Jody and Margie never mentioned that he worked in drug enforcement. They could say that he dabbled in security work if they liked, but nothing more. When he started out with the DEA, he'd done a lot of undercover work. Wasn't political... Wasn't politic to let people know that jody meanwhile had discovered champagne she'd never let herself drink at any of the cob parties in the past but she was feeling particularly isolated tonight and it was painful she liked the bubbles the fragrance of flowers that clung to the exquisite beverage and the delicious taste she had three glasses one after another, and pretty soon she didn't mind at all that Margie and Alexandra's guests were treating her like a barmaid who tried to insert herself into their exhalated circles. She noticed that she had too much to drink when she walked toward a doorway and ran headfirst into the door facing. She began to giggle softly. Her hair was coming down from its high coffee but she didn't care. She took out the circular comb that had held it in place and shook her head, letting the thick wavy wealth of hair fall to her shoulders. The action caught the eye of a man nearby, a bored race car driver who'd been dragged to this hot hick party by his wife sized up jody despite the dress that did absolutely nothing for her he was intrigued he moved closer leaning against the door facing she'd hit so unexpectedly hurt yourself 
Hope yourself, he asked in a pleasant, deep jaw, faintly accented. Jody looked up at the newcomer curiously and managed a lopsided grin. He was a dish with curly black hair, dancing black eyes, an olive complexion, and the body of an athlete. Only my hard head, she replied with a chuckle. Who are you? Francisco, he replied lazily. He lifted his glass to her face. You're the first person tonight who even asked. He leaned down so that he was out. I was a, I'm a foreigner, you see. I really? He was enchant enchanted. He laughed, and it wasn't a polite social level. I'm from Madrid, he said. Didn't you notice my accent? I don't speak any foreign languages, she confessed sadly, sipping what was left of her champagne. I don't understand high finance or read popular novels or know any movie stars, and I've never been on a holiday abroad, so I thought I'd go sit in the kitchen. He laughed again. May I join you then? He asked. She looked pointedly at his left hand. There was no ring. He took a ring out of his slacks pocket and dangled it in front of her. We don't advertise our commitment at parties. My wife likes it that way. That's my wife. He had it with pure disdain, not toward a blonde woman in a skin-tight red dress, and that looks sprayed on. She was leaning against a very handsome blonde man. She's, be she's beautiful, she remarked. She's anybody, she would drink only. The man she's stalking is a rising motion picture star. He's poor. She's rich. She's financing his career in return for the occasional loan of his body. Her eyes almost popped out of her eyelids. He shook his head. You're not worldly, are you? He is. I have an open marriage. She does what she pleases. So do I. Don't you love her? She asked curiously. One marries for love, you think? He said. What a child you are. I married her because her father owned the company. As his son-in-law, I get to drive the car in competitions. You're the race car driver, she explains softly. Carrie mentioned you becoming Carrie. His lips curled distastefully. He glanced across the room into a pair of cold, angry green eyes above the head of Carrie Dane. She was last year's diversion, he murmured. She wanted to be... She wanted me to see... She wanted to be seen at Monte Carlo. Judy was surprised by his lack of ambitions. She wondered if Alexander knew about this relationship or if, if he cared. She never thought whether he bothered asking about his dates, previous entanglements. Her boyfriend doesn't like me. He murmured absently and smiled icily, lifting his glass. Judy looked behind her. Carrie had turned away, but Alexander was suddenly making a beeline across the brave toward them. Francisco made a pass. That's one man you don't want to make an enemy of, he can find. Or your relation of his mind, he chanced. Jody laughed a little too loud. Good Lord, no, she chuckled. I'm the cook. I beg your pardon, he asked. By the time Alexander was facing her, he took the crystal champagne flute from her hands and put it gingerly on a nearby table. I wasn't going to break it, Alexander, she muttered. I do know it's Warford crystal. <laughs> How many glasses have you had? Eat a man. I don't like your tone. She retorted, moving clumsily so that Francisco had to grab her arm to keep her up. I had three glasses. It's not that strong. And I'm not drunk. And dogs don't have feathers. Alexander replied tersely. He caught on her other arm and pulled her down too gently from Francisco's grip. I'll take care of Jody. Hadn't you better reacquire your wife? He had a pointly to the younger man. Francisco sighed with a long, wistful praise of Jody. It seems so, he replied. Nice to meet you. Jody, is it? <laughs> Jody grinned woozingly. It's Jodina, actually, but most people call me Jody, and I was glad to meet you.
Francisco, I never met a real race car driver before. Started to speak, but it was too late, because Alexander was already marching her out of the room, down the hall. Will you stop dragging me around? She demanded, shoveling on high heels. He pulled her into the dark, paneled library, closed the door with a muted thud. He let go of her arm and glared down at her. Will you stop trying to seduce married men? He shouted back. Gomez and his wife on the cover of half the tabloids in Texas right now. He had it bluntly. Why? Her father just died and she inherited the car company. She's trying to sell it and her husband is fighting her in court. Tooth and nail. Are they? And they're still married? Apparently. A name. At least. She's pregnant, I hear, with another man's child. She looked at him coolly. Some circles you and Margie travel in, she said with contempt. Circles you never fit into, he grinned. Not hardly, she drawled on grammatically. And I wouldn't want to. In my world, people get married and have kids and build a home together. She nodded her head toward the close door. Those people in there will know what a home was if you drew it for them. Green eye. His green eyes staring in her face. You're smashed. Why don't you go to bed? She lifted her chin and smiled and said, Why don't you come with me? She purred. She purred. The look on his face would have amused her. She'd been sober. He just stared. Shocked. She arched her shoulders, made a husky little sound in her throat. She parted her lips and ran her tongue slowly around him, the way she read in a magazine article that said men were turned on by. Apparently they were. Alexander was staring at her mouth with an odd expression. His chest was rising and falling very quickly. She could see the motion of it through his white shirt and dinner jacket. She moved closer, draping herself against him as she'd seen the slicky blonde woman in the red dress do it. She moved her leg against his and felt his whole body stiffen abruptly. Her hands went to the front of his shirt, under the jacket, shook her fingers down it, feeling a ripple of muscle. His big hands cowed her shoulders, but he wasn't pushing. You look at me, but you never see me. She murmured, her lips pressed against his throat. He smelled of expensive clothes and a soup. I'm not pretty. I'm not sexy. <sighs> but I would die for you. His hard mouth cut off the words. He curled her into his body with a rigid arm at her back, and his mouth opened against her moist, full, parted lips with the fury of a summer storm. It wasn't premeditated. The fill of her against him was triggering a raging arousal in his muscular body. He went in head first, without thinking of the consequences. If he was helpless, so was she. As he involved her against him, her arms slid around his warm body under the jacket and her mouth answered the hunger of his. She made a husky little moan that apparently made matters worse. His mouth became suddenly insistent, as if he heard the need in her soft crying was doing his best to satisfy the hunger it betrayed. Her hands lifted to the back of his head and her fingers dug into his scalp as she arched her body upward in a hopeless plea. He whispered something that she couldn't understand before he bent and lifted her, with her mouth still trapped under his demanding lips, and carried her to the sofa. He spread her body onto the cold leather and slid over it. One powerful leg inserted itself between both of hers in a frantic, furious exchange of passing. He'd never known such rage and need, not only in himself, but in Jody. She was liquid, liquid in his embrace, yielding to everything he asked without a word being spoken. He moved 
slightly, just enough to get his hand in between them, smoothed over her collarbone and down into the soft dip of her dress. Over the lacy brow she was wearing underneath, felt the hard little nipple in his palm as he increased the insistent pressure of the caress and heard a cry of delight go into his open mouth. Her hands were on the buttons of his shirt. It was dangerous. It was reckless. She enticed him to madness when he felt the buttons give and her hands speared into the thick hair over his chest. He groaned harshly his body shivering with desire his mouth ground into hers as his leg moved between hers one lean hand went under her hips and gathered her up against the fierce arousal of his body moving her against him in a blatant physical statement of the tent to jody's head was spinning all her dreams of love were coming through alexander wanted her she could feel the instant pressure of his body over hers he was kissing her as if he died to have her and she gloried in the fury of his kit hunger she relaxed with a husky little laugh and kissed him back lungingly, feeling her body melt under him, melt into him. She was on fire, burning with unfamiliar needs, drowning in unfamiliar sensations that made her whole body tingle with pleasure. She lifted her hips against his and gasped at the blatant contact. Alexander lifted his head and looked at her. His face was a rigid mask. Only his green eyes were alive in him, glaring down at her in her rasping, unsteady silence, merged breathing. Don't stop, she whispered, moving her hips again. He was tempted. It showed, but that iron control wouldn't let him slip into carelessness. She'd been drinking. In fact, she was smashed. He had his own suspicions about her innocence, and they wouldn't shut up. His body was begging him to forget her lack of experience and give in to relief. But his, but his, heel, his will was too strong. He was made in control. It was his responsibility to protect her, even from himself. <laughs> You're drunk, Jody, he said. His voice was faintly unsteady, but it was terse and firm. Doesn't matter, she asked. Don't be ridiculous. He moved away, getting to his feet. He looked down at her sprawled body in its disheveled dress, and he ached all the way to his toes. But he couldn't do this, not when she was so vulnerable. She sighed and closed her eyes. Had it been so sweet, lying in his arms? She smiled dreamily. Was she dreaming? Get up, for God's sake, he snapped. When her eyes opened, he was standing her firmly on her feet. You're going to bed right now before you make another fool of yourself. She blinked, staring up at him. I can't go to bed. He'll do the dishes, Jody. She giggled, trying to lean against him. Thrust her away and took her arm, moving her toward the I told Francisco. I told Francisco I was the cook. That's me, she drove her. Cook, bottle washer, best friend. Household sleep. She laughed louder, propelled her out the door, back down the hall toward the staircase, and urged her up it. She was still giggling a little too loud for comfort, but the noise of the music from the living room covered it nicely. Got her to the guest room she was occupying and put her in. Go to bed, he said through his teeth. She leaned against the door facing. Don't you see? You could come inside, she murmured quickly. There's a bed. You need one? He agreed to go get in. It's always bossing me around, she said. Don't you like kissing me, Alexander? You're going to hate yourself in the morning, he assured her. She yawned, her mind going around in circles like the room. I think I'll go to bed now. Great idea. Started to walk out. Could you send Francisco up, please? She thought. I like to lie down and discuss race cars with him. And your dreams, he said coldly. He actually slammed the door, totally out of patience, self-control intact. He waited a minute. To make sure she didn't try to come back out, but it was the only sound of slow, progressive progress toward the bed and a sudden loud whoosh 
when he opened the door again and peeked in, she was lying face down in a dress on the cupboard, sound asleep, closed the door again, determined not to get close to her. Second time, he went back to the party, feeling as if he had his stomach punched. Couldn't imagine what had possessed him to let Jody tempt him into indiscretion. His lack of control worried him so much that he was twice as attentive to Carrie as he usually was when he saw her up to her room after the party was over. He kissed her with intent. She was perfectly willing, but his body let him down. She couldn't manage an interest at all. He couldn't manage any interest at all. You're just tired. She assured him with a worldly smile. We have all the time in the world. Sleep tight. Sure. You too. He left her and went back downstairs. He was restless, angry at his attack of impotence with the woman, the one woman who was capable of carrying it, or at least he imagined she was. He and Carrie had never been lovers, although they come close at one time. <laughs> Now she was a pleasant companion from time to time, a babble to show off, to take around town. It infuriated him that he could be whole with Jody. He was almost certainly a virgin, and he couldn't even function with a sophisticated woman like Carrie. Maybe it was his age. The rattle of plates caught his attention. He moved toward the sound and found a distressed Margie in the kitchen trying to put dishes in the dishwasher. That doesn't look right, he commented with a frown when he noticed the lack of conformity in the way she was tossing plates and bowls and cups and crystal all together. You'll break the crystal, she laid him. Well, what do you... What do I know about washing dishes, she explained. That's why we have Jesse. Cocker said, you're out of sorts. She pushed back her red tinged dark hair angry. Yes, I'm out of sorts. Carrie said she doesn't think I'm ready to show my collection yet. She said her store had shows books for the rest of the year, and she couldn't help me. All that buttering up and dragging Jody down here to work for nothing, he said sarcastically. Where is Jody? She demanded. I haven't seen her for two hours, and here's all this work and this that isn't getting done except by me. He leaned back against the half open door and stared at her. She passed out on her bed, dead drunk, he said distinctly, after trying to seduce the world's number one race car driver. And then me. Marcy stood up and stared back. You! I wish I could imp impress on you how tired I am of finding Jody underfoot every time I walk into my own house. He said, Come, we can't have a party without her. We can't have a holiday without her. My own birthday means an invitation. Why can't you just hire a cook when you need one instead of laying at me with your wild best friend? I thought you liked Jody a little, Marcy said. She's blue collar, Marcy. He persisted, still smarting under his loss of control, furious that Jody was responsible for it. She'll never fit in our circles, no matter how much you try to force her into them. She was telling people tonight that she was the cook, and it's not far wrong. She's a social disaster with legs. She knows nothing about our sort of lifestyle. She can't carry on a decent conversation, and she dresses like a homeless person. It's an embarrassment to have her here. Archie sighed miserably. I hope you haven't said things like that to her legs, where she may not be upper class sort of person, but she's sweet and kind, and she doesn't gossip. She's the only real friend I've ever had, not that I've behaved much like once, she added suddenly. You should have friends in your own class, he said coldly. I don't want Jody invited down here again. He added firmly, holding up a hand when Marcy tried to speak. I mean, if you find some excuse, but you keep her away from here. I'm not going to be stalked by your bag lady of a friend. I don't want her underfoot at any of my holidays, and God forbid, at my birthday party. You want to see her drive to Houston, fly to Houston, stay in Houston, but don't bring her here anymore.
Did she really try to seduce you? Where's he want to? I don't want to talk about it. He said, it was embarrassing. She'll probably be horrified when she wakes up and remembers what happened. Whatever did, Marty added. I'll be horrified for months with myself. <laughs> Carrie's my steady girl. He had a little bit. I'm not hitting on some other woman behind her back. Jody should have known it. Now that it seemed to matter to her about me or the married racer. She never had a drink as far as I know. Marjorie ventured gently. She's not like her mother, Lex. His face closed up. Jody's behavior aroused painful members of his mother, who drank often and to excess. She was a constant embarrassment any time people came to the house, and she delighted in embarrassing her son any way possible. Jody's unmanageable stillness, silliness brought back nightmares. There's nothing in the world more disgusting than a drunk woman, he said aloud. Nothing that makes me sicker to my stomach. Marjorie closed the dishwasher and started in. There was a terrible cracking sound. The crystal, she wants, I don't care what's broken. I'm not a cook. I can't wash dishes. I'm a dress designer. Our help for Jesse, he said. Okay, she said, giving in. I won't invite Jody back again. But how do I tell her, Lex? She's never going to understand, and it won't hurt her. He knew that. He couldn't bear to know it. His face hard. Just gave her away from me. I don't care how. I'll think of something, Margie said weakly. Outside in the hall, white-faced Jody was stealthily making her way back to the staircase. She calmed down belatedly due to the dishes, still tingling hours after Alexander's feverish lovemaking. She'd been floating, delirious with hope that he might have started to see her in a different light. Then she heard what he said. She heard every single word. She disgusted him. She was such a social disease, in fact, that he never wanted her to come to the house again. She embarrassed him and made a fool of herself. He was right. She behaved stupidly, and now she was going to pay for it by being an outcast. The only family she had no longer wanted her. She went back to her room, closed the door quietly, and picked up the telephone. She changed her airplane ticket for an early morning flight. Next morning, she went to Margie's room at daybreak. She hadn't slept a wink. She packed and changed her clothes, and now she's ready to go. Will you drive me to the airport? She asked for a sleepy friend. Or do you want me to ask Johnny? Margie sat up, blinking. Then she remembered Lex's odd comments and her own shame at how she treated her best friend. She flushed. I'll drive you. Margie said once. But don't you want to wait until after breakfast? She flushed again. Remember that Jody would have to cook. I'm not hungry. There's leftover sausage and bacon in the fridge, along with some biscuits. You can just heat them up. Alexander can cook eggs to go with them. She had it almost choking on his name. Marjorie fucking, you're upset, she ventured. Keeping quiet was the hardest thing Jody had ever done. I got drunk last night and did some really stupid things, she summarized. I'd just like to go home, Marjorie, okay? Marjorie tried not to let a relief show. Jody was leaving without a fuss. Licks would be pleased and she'd be out the hook. She's okay, I'll just get dressed and then we'll go. End of chapter three.